Father, we just thank you again for your spirit of revelation, Lord, of what we actually have in our hand. Father, we thank you for the power that is in your word, Lord. Father, I thank you that the power of your word can stand against everything that would come against us, that the power of your word defines our reality. Father, we thank you that it is sharper than a double-edged sword, that you have placed it within our hands, Lord, because you know that we need it. Let's just read the, the armor of God. This is what we have. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. This is uh, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, we never actually take off the armor of God. It is something that we wear, that we sleep in 24-7. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you are wearing the armor of God. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. We are fully equipped. We are fully equipped. And we are not just equipped to uh, stand and to hold territory. We are equipped to go ahead and to take territory. I want you to stand up right now if you believe that God has been reminding you in the service that you actually have the power of God in you and that you need to take a hold of some ground. Just stand up right now because we just want to pray for you. Awesome. Father, we thank you for your anointing upon each person right now standing. Lord, we thank you that you've been revealing to them, Lord. Lord, that they have got ground that is theirs, Lord. And we come into agreement with that, Lord. What you are speaking to these people, we agree for. We thank you, Father, for the power of agreement, Lord, that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. We thank you, Father, for the exponential power of agreement, Lord. And we say, let it be. Where two or more are, agree on a thing, it is established. We agree with them for the territory that you've been revealing to them to take a hold of today. Thank you, Lord. Just receive that right now. Just an impartation of the Holy Ghost right now. If you're, um, if you're uh, by one of these people, just extend a hand to them. And just release an impartation. You know, that last part of that scripture that says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. With this in mind, be always keep alert, praying for all the saints. You know, we pray for each other. Praying for all the saints. That's why we're a family. That's why family is such a core value for us here at church. And I want to say this to each one of you standing, that God believes in you. God believes in you. Come on. I want us to shout it out. I want, I want, I just feel like we just need to, there's something this morning, I just want to, I just want us all on three, God believes in you. I don't want, let's not do passive, okay? 
Okay, there's a time to be passive. There's a time to establish some things and use our words and the creative life that they have. Knowing the authority that we have. God believes in you. Okay, you're ready. Psych yourselves up. Come on. On three. One, two, three. God believes in you. That was good. Very good. Thank you. Awesome. Can you guys, could you just turn those colored lights off? It's just be cool. I feel like I'm in this funny sphere of weird lightness. It's good to have you back, Danny. All the way back from the Philippines. And, uh, yeah, can we just pray for you, Danny? Awesome. Just stand up, mate. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that your hand is upon Danny, Lord Jesus, Lord, where he's even been in a battle uh, while he's been over in the Philippines, Lord, just uh, uh, battling for Rowena, Lord, uh, as she was taken down with that sickness, Father. We thank you for your power, which has, uh, has brought resurrection life into her, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. But, Father, where that's taken a toll on Danny, where he's just been, uh, been struggling against some stuff, Lord, and pushing some stuff off, Father, we thank you right now for your refreshing power. Thank you for it. We release it right now in the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Shut up, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Cool. Very good. Ba da ba da bum bum. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, let's just do a, a quick recap over what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. Uh, feel free to make a bit of noise today. I just feel like we just need to come into agreement a bit here today. And, yep, so feel free to do that. Um, so we've been talking, uh, our, to- our topic, our subject has been the Word. And you can't get much more exciting a topic than the Word. Uh, and uh, so we've been talking about keeping Jesus front and center stage because Jesus is the... Word, and we find that so clearly in which chapter of the Bible? John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, and then we've been talking about the two key forms that the Word of God can come in. So we've got the Logos, and the other one is the Rima. That's right. And uh, will the Rima ever contradict the Logos? No, uh, as we get the Logos into us, it allows the Rema, it's almost like the Rema can bounce off that. Um, and so getting the Logos Word of God into us is just such a, a recipe for success and for reigning in life. Um, but we've got to remember that the Word of God is there to take us into a deeper relationship with God, not to stand aside. Uh, but it takes us into, is an invitation into deeper relationship with Him. We've looked at Hebrews 4, verse 12. Uh, can anybody, for a chocolate bar, can anybody uh, stand and can they say uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12, straight off, the, straight off the bat? Anybody do that one? Anybody brave enough to give it a shot? I'll give you a chocolate bar just for being brave enough to give it a shot. Hebrews 4, verse 12. <laughs> Spoken from our children's pastor there. <clears throat> Who can tell me the first part? Come on, Ricky Lee. Come on. 
That was, that was real sharp. That was good. That, that was flipping awesome. Awesome. Well done. You can have two chocolate bars for that. <laughs> it is such a good... Uh, that's um, that's uh, scripture for you guys to memorize. Next week, we'll, or maybe the week after, we'll give it another shot, okay? And uh, so get it on a... You know, I used to just get them on flashcards, and I'd just keep speaking them over and over and over while I was uh, doing my press round, and yep, it's a great way to learn it. So for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's a sword. The Word of God is a sword. The armor of God talks about the Word of God being a sword in our hand as well. And so we are able to stand against everything, and we are also able to bring the reality of heaven through the sword. Uh, it is a powerful, powerful thing, the Word of God. And that's just one of the things we just, at the moment, just so wanting to... Um, to, to be reminded of. Um, it judges the thoughts and attitudes. It separates our soulish desires from what the Spirit is saying. Um, and so the small groups, uh, last week, they looked at the surrounding passages uh, for, um, for that passage of Scripture. So they looked at what was happening before and what was happening after, just to give a, um, uh, a, a greater fullness um, of that Scripture. So the people in the small groups, was that helpful? Was that good? This week, do you feel like you sort of pick something up and great? That's awesome. That's good to see. Very good. So small groups are the way to go. Uh, maybe it's because I'm using the term connect uh, small groups when I should be saying connect groups. You're wondering what on earth I'm about. Connect groups. They were looking at the surrounding passages this week. Was it the week before? Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Okay, and the other scripture that we looked at last time is this very cool scripture here, which is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Give it to us, Mark. It is all scripture. All. Just want to get that emphasis on the all. Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So emphasis today on the all, and then also reminding of how the Scripture thoroughly equips us. God hasn't, God hasn't put us in this world. You know, sometimes we can just feel like, oh, we can so busy down by the world. God hasn't put us in this world just to kind of be bashed from here to there with waves and those sorts of things. He's put us here to reign in life and to see His kingdom established. And the way His kingdom established is from the person sitting beside you and you. We're called to bring the kingdom. And as we know the word of God, we are able, more able, better equipped to bring the kingdom of God. Um, this next PowerPoint, I showed you how the scripture for me as a young guy uh, really helped. And these were the, um, he's, man, he's, he's a good looking guy. <laughs> Uh, come on. And uh, so some of the, these were some of the early scriptures that I learned and uh, just helped me to be sure of who I was and who my God was. He's re rescued us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Do not throw away. This is a great one. This is a great one. If you're going through some stuff at the moment, do not throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere 
so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. And there are some things where we persevere for a short time. There are some things where we persevere for years and years and years, but we will not throw away our confidence for our confidence. It will be richly rewarded. The result of our confidence, what is our confidence in? God and His Word. So uh, I won't go through those other ones, but it was just to create, show you a picture of how we can so surround ourselves with the Word of God and it can define reality rather than our circumstances trying to define our reality. Um, and then the other thing I talked about is that we just, we, we just need to establish that the Word of God is the grid that we live by. I don't live by what the news reports say. I don't live by what legislation is passed. I don't live, especially I don't live by what my feelings are telling me, because my feelings can lie. In fact, my feelings are really good at lying. I live by the Word of God. That is the grit. I don't live by what the morals of society are. I live by what the morals of the Word of God is. That's where I'm founded. That's where I'm grounded. And why did God give us his word? Because he wants us to reign in life. He wants us to have, John 10, 10, life to the full with Jesus and overflowing. That's a lot. That's our, our God is so good. Constantly being painted as a bad guy, but he is the good guy. He is the good guy. He wants you and I to reign in life. So this week, we're going to look a little bit more and we're going to focus on uh, the incredibleness of the Word of God. And I know that incredibleness is a word because when I put it in, in word, it didn't put a red squiggly line under it. Okay? So incredibleness is a word. Let's have a look at what some others have said about the Word of God. Coming right up here. Good old Napoleon. The Bible is not merely a book. It is a living being with an action, a power, which, I love this, invades everything that opposes it. Extension. Uh, it opposes its extension. Behold, it is upon this table, this book, surpassing all others. I never omit to read it, and every day with some pleasure. That's a cool quote, eh? That's Napoleon. The next one uh, comes from Ronald Reagan. Uh, of the many influences that have shaped the United States into a distinctive nation and people, none may be said to be more fundamental and enduring than the Bible. So true. So true. The foundations that the early fathers placed within uh, the American Constitution were biblically based. Benjamin Franklin, uh, one of his quotes that... Uh, has been misquoted so many times, and he was one of the founding fathers. He um, said, Jack of all trades, master of... That's, yeah, there's two things coming out here. Because often it's quoted, Jack of all trades, master of none. Benjamin Franklin actually said, Jack of all trades, master of one. That was actually what he quoted. Jack of all trades, master of one. What was he talking about? A master of the Bible. That as, as Christians, we can be jacks of all trades. We can do all sorts of other things, but we must be. Or it would, it would go well for us, because Ruth doesn't like me saying must. It would go well for us to be a master of the Word of God. Cool, way. 
So anyway, and another one that comes up here, uh, Christian guy, but I found this one and it doesn't actually fit in with what we're talking about right now, but I thought it was cool. Adam, this is our Oswald Chambers, Adam was created to be the friend and companion of God. He was to have dominion over all the life in the air and earth and sea, but one thing he was not to have dominion over, and that was himself. God is to have dominion over us. So that's pretty cool, eh? And if you ever see where they've abbreviated um, the name of God, it's because they considered God's name so reverent that they couldn't actually write it down or, or actually speak it out. Um, and so that's why sometimes you'll see quotations, um, and it's, uh, it's something like that. So that's what some other people have said um, about the Bible. How many books are there in the Bible? And how many authors were involved? Come on, yell it out. Be brave. Be bold. <laughs> okay, yes, it was one. It was God. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the spiritual ones up the front here. How many, how many, how many people were involved in penning it? Over 40. Um, 66 books of the Bible written by over 40 authors over a period. How long, over what period was the Bible written? 2,000 years, they reckon, from the first being written to the last being written. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Chuck Missler, if you've heard him, he would say this, it forms an intricated message system from outside our time domain. It's an amazing, amazingly incredible book. The first five books of the Bible, commonly referred to as being the Torah, uh, started being written during Moses' time. In the first five books of the Bible, they were placed in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, those books, when you turn to the front, just, just if you've got your Bible there, or if you've got your iPad, just turn to the front of the Bible. Jennifer, the book of Jennifer, it comes back again. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Written around about 1440 BC. Just have a look at it. I don't care. Anywhere in those first five books, just have a look at it. You are looking at a passage. You're looking at words that were written down on paper for the first time 3,500 years ago, roughly. Give or take five or ten minutes. 3,500 years ago. That's what you're looking at. And the authenticity of it is so strong that no historian who is worth their salt would try and debate with you on that fact. 3,500 years ago. Wow. Anybody else picked up a book that was penned 3,500 years ago? This was way cool. The rest of the Old Testament... Um, uh, was written probably around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, around about 400 BC, so 400 years before Christ. So sort of looking around about 2,500 years ago, that was written. And then by 500 AD, so going back 1,500 years ago, we had what's called the canon of the New Testament. Um, so they believe that the New Testament started being written in written form around about 40 AD, 
um, and the, it was canonized, so the process that it went through to be authenticated as the Word of God around about 500, uh, sorry, 400 AD. And uh, Josh is going to talk with us a little bit more next week um, about the whole canonization of Scripture because it is really cool. Um, it's one of those things that I found fascinating. I looked into it. I, I thought, okay, you know, if I'm going to base my life on this book, I want to ensure that it is robust. So I looked at how they canonized the scripture, the process it went through to be considered the authenticated word of God. And I went, that is really cool. That's an amazing process. I'm happy with that. And then I moved on with life and completely forgot about how it was all done. Uh, but I encourage you to look at it. Because if we're going to be a master of this book, it is good to know that it's solid. And it builds, it creates a confidence within you as well. That you can then build, uh, continue to build your faith on. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And one, we're going to talk about a couple of ways that God authenticates His Word today. Um, but one of the key ways that God authenticates His message is by writing His message before it actually happens. So that you can see that was written, and then this time of Jesus came to pass, and it authenticates the whole book. So that's where uh, we talk about it being from outside of our time domain because God, it's God's prophetic word that is coming forth. Um, and so if, if I was to write something down today, and then tomorrow it was all to take place, you'd go, well, that's, that's a pretty authentic word. It's been proven by what actually took place. That's how God's word, one of the key ways it's authenticated is by what was written before Christ and then Christ coming, plus a whole lot of other factors in there as well, authenticates the Word of God. Yeah, um, I invited Chuck Missler to come in today, uh, and um, and so he's agreed. He said, "Yep, look, I'll just I'll, I'll just come in through your screen, um, and just a, a two or three minute clip from him, uh, and I'll let him explain the prophecies of Jesus um, and how that can also give us confidence in the Word as well." One of the exercises we do in some of our other presentations, we take just eight of 300. There are over 300 prophecies of first coming. We take eight of those. The fact that he was born in Bethlehem, the fact that uh, he, he would uh, present himself as king riding a donkey, the fact that he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, the, the fact that uh, that transaction would occur in the temple and the money would end up finally in the potter's hands. All this was predicted centuries before that uh, he had wounds in his hands, that he would make no defense even though he's innocent, that he would die with the wicked yet be buried with the rich, and that he would be crucified. These are just eight prophecies. And by ana analyzing the circumstances surrounding each one, we come up with an a priori probability of each one being individual. The, the probability that a single person would fill all eight turns out to be an enormous number. In fact, uh, uh, that exercise applying uh, combinatorial probabilities is actually staggering. I encourage you to check it out. The main point is that this establishes his identity probably more, with more certainty than probably any other identity on the face of the earth. I'm more certain that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of Israel than I am of my own name. And I can demonstrate that mathematically, but let's us, for this purpose, keep going on here. The most, and, and those eight prophecies are the easy ones. It skips some of the most amazing ones. 
the fact that the Old Testament lays out in great detail in Genesis 22 and Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 are narratives that are just astonishing in their precision. Psalm 22 reads as if it was dictated first-person singular while he hung on the cross. It opens and closes with his first and last statements, and it describes what he sees as he hangs on the cross, written, you know, several hundred uh, years before the fact. Isaiah 53 describes the purpose of the cross and its achievement with more detail than all of Paul's epistles put together, and on it goes. He has his genealogy laid out in advance, and... uh, the day, the precise day that he would present himself as a king to Jerusalem was laid out in advance with such precision that Jesus held them accountable to know that day. Their failure to recognize that day is the reason, according to Jesus' remark in Luke 19, that Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. So the precision and the accountability is uh, all there clearly laid out in the scripture. So did you see that number? For those eight prophecies to be fulfilled, one to the power of 10 to the 28. So that's a 10 with 28 zeros after it. That's the probability of those eight prophecies being fulfilled by one man. And that's just eight. There's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. I think on his day of crucifixion, I think, now don't quote me on this, I think 130 were fulfilled in that one day. That's, that's, the authentic, that's the authentication of the Word of God that we have. Way cool, eh? Way cool. What a book. Man, somebody should be excited. It is, it's just, yeah. I've actually, as I've been just kind of looking through all this again um, and preparing these messages for you on the Word of God, I tell you what, for me, it is just sparked again. I mean, I thought I had a reasonable hunger, but it has sparked for me again the the um, the Word of God and just wanting to get deeper into it. You know, that uh, Proverbs 25 verse 2, it is to our glory to hunt this out. You know, it is, our, it is our privilege to hunt out these amazing things that are contained within the Word of God. The One of the other aspects with the Word of God um, from a military standpoint is that it is uh, it is a fantastic piece of literature in terms of its ability to resist what's called hostile jamming so if um, uh, if a, uh, a military uh, an army are trying to communicate a message on a on a plan then what they try and do is they try and spread the plan throughout the whole message so if if one part of the message is lost or is jammed, then it will still make sense. It may, it may water down uh, things a little bit, but it will still make sense. So take for instance, um, can anyone tell me where the chapter on baptism is in the Bible? Can anyone tell me where the chapter on communion is in the Bible? Can anyone tell me where the chapter about Jesus' second coming is in the Bible? You can't. Because it's spread throughout the whole book. See, so we could, we could lose some of that book, but we would still be able to get the overall narrative. What, what, what's, the, what's the scripture that's brought out at most weddings, the passage of scripture about love? 
1 Corinthians 13. Take 1 Corinthians 13 out of your Bible. Are we still going to have... Um, are we still going to get the message about love? Yeah. And from a military standpoint, it is an incredibly robust book. Now, of course, the more we get of it, the stronger the case becomes. And that's why that scripture I wanted to emphasize for you today, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for. It's not just saying that all scripture is God-breathed. It's saying that as we use all of Scripture, it is useful for rebuking, correcting, teaching, training. So from, from a military book standpoint, it's an incredible book. Way cool again, isn't it? Someone say, that is, wow, I've never thought of that. That is just very good. Off the hook. And then the other cool thing within the Bible is that there are uh, codes that are locked within the Bible as well. And you've probably heard about the Bible code and and all that, and then we had the Da Vinci Code, which kind of made a mess of things and all that sort of stuff. But, but there are some incredible, incredible codes that are locked up within the Bible, and the ones that I pay special interest in, uh, especially with the Old Testament, are the ones that are in Hebrew. So you can get some interesting ones, like in the NIV, Psalm 118 is the middle. Uh, of the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter. Uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter. And then the middle verse of Psalm 118 says something really cool, which is nice. You know, yeah, that's cool. Um, but it only works if you're reading the NIV Bible. If you look at another version, it doesn't work. But when you get right back to the original language that it was placed within, and there's some fascinating codes that are in there. Um, and I've just asked Chuck again to explain one of my favorites. One of my favourites. So, um, and uh, again, he said he'd be more than happy to do that. So, uh, let's let him on on board again. This is the first verse of Genesis in Hebrew, but the word Torah in the Hebrew consists of four letters, equivalent to our T and O and R and an H. Sorry. Well, if you go to the first Tau, the first T, and uh, you count forty-nine letters, take take an interval of seven squared, forty-nine letters. The next letter you come to happens to be a vav, which is acting sort of like an O here. You take the next 49 letters, and you come to a resh, which is sort of like our R. And you take another 49 letters, and you come to a he. And that happens to spell, in Hebrew, Torah. And it, uh, 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 it's like a T-O-R-H, sort of. Now remember, Hebrew goes from, from right to left. All languages flow towards Jerusalem. Did you know that? If you go to all the languages that are east of Jerusalem, all the nations east of Jerusalem, whether it's Aramaic, whether it's Hebrew, whether it's Arabic, Chinese, whatever you, Sanskrit, the Hindus, they all go from right to left. All nations west of Jerusalem go from left to right. Latin, Greek, Hebrew, you name it. So, kind of interesting. But uh, I don't know what to do with that piece of information, but I'll just share it with you. Um, it's interesting, though, that this happens here, and you can admit it's easy to dismiss what we've just observed here as just an accident of circumstance. You know, that the, every 49th, there's a 49 interval here that spells the name of the book Torah. Well, when we get to Exodus, though, we're a little disturbed because we discover the same thing, that there's a Tau, a Vav, a Resh, and a He, separated by 49-letter intervals. It happens again. Now that's starting to get a little curious. You can't, you can't, the idea that this happened by accident is, it starts to get absurd. In Leviticus it doesn't happen. Numbers, strangely, 
It happens, you get a he, a resh, a vav, and a tau. It happens if you spell it backwards. Again, it's too curious to ignore, and yet it's a little weird. Now, it never spelled backwards. When we get to Deuteronomy, again, we have in 49 letter intervals the same um, four letters spelling Torah backwards. Now we're really puzzled because we see that Genesis and Exodus is spelled forward. Numbers in Leviticus is spelled backwards. In Leviticus, it doesn't happen. Let's take another look at Leviticus. If we look at Leviticus, we discover not on seven squared, but seven, we have the, the yot, the he, the vav, and the he which happens to spell Yehovah or Yahweh or however you want to pronounce it, the unpronounceable name of God. Now when we stand back from this whole design, we've got Torah spent uh, uh, forward in Genesis and Exodus, spelled backwards in Numbers and Deuteronomy, and in the middle we have Torah. What is this all saying? That the Torah always points to the name of God. Now you've got two conjectures here. One is that this is all just a happenstance, it's all accidental. Or someone went through a lot of trouble to design this. Now, if this was all there was, you'd say it's just a curiosity. It turns out this kind of thing we're discovering is all through the scripture. And I suggest to you the possibility that these are the fingerprints of the author. And we're going to show you some before we're through with these sessions, how some of these things are virtually impossible to simulate even with a computer. That's your hand. <laughs> Come on, that's cool, isn't it? It's just, it's just fun. So we've got this amazing... Our God's a fun God, isn't he? Just hiding these things in there for us to go, woohoo. That's awesome. Very good. The other aspect um, with the Word of God. So we've got it, we've, this just, and this is just a real quick, a real quick, because I, I, I've only got 30, I'm going to push it a bit today, maybe out to 40 minutes, to, to talk with you about this today. I encourage you, man, dig, dig deeper into this. It's really exciting. Um, at what you can find. Um, and so this is just a really, like I say, a really quick uh, skim over it. So that's part on the authentication. But then the other aspect with the Word of God, uh, which, you know, you've probably heard so many times in church, but let's think about it again. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living and active. So it's not just words on the surface of a page. It is actually something that comes alive. It's the only book that has a, uh, has a life form. Um, and um, on the surface of it, you could look at it, you could think interesting stories, nice poetry, very interesting sort of history, but it's actually created to be multidimensional, to actually come alive. And I love it when you just get hit with this revelation out of the scripture and you're like, wow, the word comes alive. Um, and. Uh, I was looking at uh, um, how a hologram is made. Um, so a hologram is, you know, like uh, a little bit like 3D movies. But let's talk from the point of view of a hologram. A hologram is kind of it's three-dimensional, isn't it? It comes out at you. Um, and the way a hologram is made is they take a laser, and the laser beam is split. And so one... One laser goes straight off at the front of the object. The laser is split and then is bounced off and looks at the side of the object. And then the interference between the two lasers is captured on film. Now, when you look at the film, you go, it doesn't look all that amazing. But when you project light at the same frequency as the laser through that film, it creates a multi-dimensional object that you can 
you can look at from different angles. So you can look at front on, but you can look at it from this angle and that angle, and it captures uh, a multi-dimensional uh, aspect of the original image. And thinking about this in relation to the Word of God, that as the light of the Spirit, the light of the Word, as the light is projected through this, it creates that multi-dimensional. But it's got to be what light? It's got to be the same light that it was created with. Light of the Holy Spirit. And it brings it alive to us. Uh, so it is, it is an incredible, incredible book. Um, and the uh, Connect groups this week are going to look at um, how Jesus used the Word of God in his temptation. Um, and for those people that are going to be at Connect Group and for all of you here today, there's, there's, there's one aspect at the beginning of Jesus' temptation that I want you to grab a hold of, and that is it starts by saying, if we're looking at Luke um, it starts by saying, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led out. And, uh, and this week in this Connect Groups, we're going to look at how, how Jesus actually used the Word of God to withstand the enemy. Um, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so just a reminder about reading this is that we want the illumination of the Holy Spirit flowing through us. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the Connect Groups this week, it would be a great opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'll find again, I, I remember when I was uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit, I didn't know what to say to someone about Jesus. And, and I went out on the street to witness with someone, and, uh, and I was just standing there like, uh, and they were off talking and having these conversations. And I literally, I just had no idea. And the person came back to me and they said, oh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need baptism of the Holy Spirit. I went, okay, whatever. So they took me up uh, upstairs and they prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this extra dimension um, that opened to me on how I saw God. It was so cool. Um, and so we, we could pray for that this morning. If you're really hungry and you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after the service come up, we'll pray for you. Um, but uh, in the Connect groups this week, I've encouraged Connect group leaders to pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. So uh, it's going to be an exciting week um, out there. So a quick summary, if the band just wants to come, uh, a quick summary is that the, the Word of God, this is, not, this is no mere book. This is no mere book. We've got passages of Scripture penned 3,500 years ago. Whoa! You've got 66 books penned by 40 authors over 2,000 years, a skillfully intricated message system from outside of our time domain. I encourage you, look into its canonization. I'll be here next week, and, and Josh will take us through it um, in brief again. It authenticates itself by writing events before they happen. There are various codes in the Bible, and the New Testament is hidden within the Old Testament. The New Testament's already in the Old Testament. As we even see with that, in the Torah, what did it point to? It pointed to Yahweh, to Jesus. Um... It's been through an incredible, incredibly robust process to be considered the authentic Word of God. It's alive and it's active. 
And so if anything out of today, my hope and prayer is that you will have a new confidence and a new passion of this book that resides right at your side. The sword of the Word of God. Let's not let this book become something that gathers dust or makes us feel better because it's on the bookshelf. But may it be a part of us. May it be within us. May it be the grid by which we live. It is a present from God. It is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, this book. Let's not take it for granted, but let's use it. Let's know it for everything that it's worth. Father, we thank you for your incredible equipping for us, Lord. God, sometimes it would seem that we're all on our own, but yet you have powerfully equipped us with your word and with your spirit. And then with an incredible family like we have here at this church. Holy Spirit, I thank you for right now just creating within each one of us, bringing alive within each one of us a hunger that you've already placed within us for your word. A fresh hunger, a fresh passion, a fresh desire. And Father, I thank you for... uh, connections, for resources, just becoming so prominent to us, Lord, as we continue to look deeper into your incredible word. Pray in your awesome name. Amen. One of, one of, the, last, um, one of the last things I'm going to do just on this series um, is, uh, is just look at different, different study, study ideas. Um, for, uh, for getting deeper into this word as well. So if you're kind of wondering, oh, you know, I want to do this, um, we will give some, give some good ideas there uh, on the last week of the series as well. So we got so much to celebrate. We have been powerfully equipped. And uh, we've seen it again today, the incredible word of God that we have. So I just want us today to go out of this place just on a high just celebrating that we are God's children, that we are victorious, that He wants us to reign in life, and He has equipped us to reign in life. So let's uh, let's just, as a band, uh, start the song. Let's just stand. Let's get into this, and let's just give Him everything uh, before we head out of this place. And then after the after the song, uh, I encourage you. Remember, just take five, take five. Say good day to someone. Uh, that's new or you haven't talked to before, before you go and connect with the people that you know so well, take five and have an amazing week.